0: I'm Kendra.
1: And I'm Ashley. And this is Art Gab. Welcome. Welcome. It's been a while, friends. Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> good. Good.
0: Good. <laughs> good. Keeping busy. Keeping busy. Um, apologies for uh, the long wait. Um, hopefully, we have a plan, and we're going to get some more episodes out quicker. Um, both of our schedules were just pretty busy there.
1: We, we bring it to you when we can. Yeah. Um, and this has been a while since we've done this kind of an episode. We're going to be talking about an awesome uh, lady artist. Um, Yeah. So we haven't done this for a while. It's be cool to kind of give you a little snippet of this awesome artist.
0: Yeah, we've done some research on Emily Carr. Emily Carr. So uh, she was born in Victoria, B.C. on uh, December 13th 1871. Um, At the time, it was, quote, a city with a combination of expatriate British settlement people. It was uh, the home of the Songhees First Nation and significant population of Chinese workers and merchants. Um, And a lot of our research uh, was from a few different websites that we are putting on our website. Um, Just so you know, um, those are all Listed on stumptowncreative.com. But yeah, so she was born in Victoria, BC in 1871, and um, she kind of, she's a painter and writer, and this is a little bit about her.
1: Yeah. Um, They were in Europe, right? Her dad and mom, and um, I think they're from, they were from England. England. Mm -hmm. And then they, how did they, they got. Well, it sounds like her, um, her father got a lot of his his money from the gold rush of California. So it sounds like they were in England to California and then to Canada is where they ended up. And it sounds like he wanted his family to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, she Emily Carr comes from a family of five sisters and four brothers. Unfortunately, um, all the brothers had passed away at a young age except for one that lived to 24 Um, her sisters were all really unique in their own right. Um, one having even been one of the founders of the YWCA. So that is uh, so cool. I didn't know that. That's like, yeah, it sounds like each of the sisters were kind of had their own little niche. Mm -hmm. Um, and so from there, I mean, she lost her parents at a young age, 14,
0: I think 14. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. From there, she had some classical training in painting. It sounds like her father mm-hmm. really wanted her to do that.
0: Yeah, and before that, her education was all public, because public education, because even though, like, at the time, like, private education was super popular in the area, her dad was, like, all about, um, he felt really strongly about a Canadian upbringing and, like, like really being a part of what Canada was. And But, yeah, you're right. She got some education...
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I think she went to, she, uh, parents passed away.
1: Well, her her parents passed away. And in that time, Mm -hmm. her older sister kind of became the parent and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, something not maybe heard of that day is they traveled around. It sounds Mm -hmm. like her sister and her. And so it was kind of a unique part of her life is, being kind of this young independent person with your older sister you know traveling around that wasn't something that you would really hear much about even to this day i mean that's not the yeah the the quote-unquote norm i guess but um totally
0: totally they were
1: so definitely. yeah they hit the road um she continued to do her art and so on the road what were some of the things like that stood out for her painting. She was had a lot of nature and that kind of thing. Do you want to kind of talk about maybe that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I uh, just to back up, she a little bit. She she went to California. She went to the California School of Design, San Francisco. She kind of ran out of money, <laughs> came back to Canada and painted a little while. Or sorry, taught a little while to raise money. Then she went back to school for a few years in in England, traveled to Paris, and then she came back to Canada and um, she took a trip to Alaska with one of her sisters that inspired her interest in environmental issues um, as well as the Native American people. Um, uh, She, she just, she, I think she was always in love with nature, but specifically the Pacific Northwest and she was also really curious and, and loved learning about other cultures and other people's and it um, sounded
1: like that was always that something that like she loved and it showed in her work kind of mm-hmm. and that respect too, you could tell she really had that in her yeah. for all that. Um and it's and it's interesting because it sounds like it was always gonna be art for her. Mm-hmm. Like going to school, running out of money, but always still finding a way to get back to art, to still be educated and continue to be educated. It's just, that's, that's like something that really stands out to me is like, you have such a love of it. You're going to try to do it in any way you can. Mm -hmm. And, um, sounds like that's kind of what she did Yeah, her whole life. Just found ways to still do art. Yeah. Be educated, whether she's being educated or she's the educator it sounds like that was really important to her
0: yeah it seems yeah exactly and super smart too like she goes to europe and she sees all these impressionists and post-impressionists and expressionists doing their thing and working with subject matter that that connect that they feel strongly about and 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 thinking about what what she feels strongly about and then and then transforming it in her paintings is like pretty smart of her, I
1: think mm-hmm. yeah
0: um, so yes, yeah, so um she came back she she started teaching art again um, she uh, she taught a few classes at the Vancouver Studio Club and art school, which I thought this was interesting. she um only taught a few classes there. Um, and then went and started her own school and, um, probably cause she was difficult. Like you, you mentioned she's kind of a difficult personality. Oh, I <laughs> um, just
1: heard a lot in different things that, um, she had her ways of wanting to do things. She like had a very specific opinion on things. And I guess that made her difficult to some people. But, I mean, it sounds like also in her group of friends and her artist friends, they really had a lot of respect for her. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and she might have just went against the grain of the day and how a woman should act is what I'm kind of gathering. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I found it ironic, though, that, like, they were kind of, you know, some of the other – well, okay, it's not ironic, I shouldn't say. Um, she only taught at that school for brief – Moment, and then like in 1980, they named the whole school after her, yeah, <laughs> the Emily like, Carr. Uh, University. She is awesome. She is. Like, We're we, gonna we just actually, change the name here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just took us like 70 years to realize. Yeah, how just awesome. 70. Yeah. Um. Uh. I also read that um. In the uh, mid 20s, um. She was she, was introduced to the group of seven. So, um. Group of seven. Real quick summary seven artists come from Europe. They come to Canada and they're like, let's make some artwork that is fundamentally Canadian, totally separate from the European tradition. We want to make a, we want a Canadian voice in our artwork. And they happen to be seven guys and some of them did not want Emily to be a part of the group. So she's not considered one of the group of seven. She's uh, the eighth member of the group of seven.
1: Yeah. And, um, it sounds like in a lot of aspects she was the eighth member. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean she showed with them.
0: She, yeah. she they owned her paintings. They were like peers and so.
1: And yeah. A lot of them had respect for her and it sounds like she had just as much influence in that group as they did. Um the mm-hmm. group of 7. It sounds like it's like a rock star <laughs> band or <Amen>. something. <laughs> the group of 7. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah, on Kiss. tour now. <laughs> Get your tickets here. Yes. Um, yeah, that's cool, though, that she um, was able to kind of, in a way, join. That sounds like a big group to kind of, like, be a part of. So Yeah. yeah. Um, and her paintings were totally different.
0: You have a painting that, that you want yeah, to talk about. Yeah,
1: so a little segue. Not painting. totally
0: different, but she brought something new to the table, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so the painting that I kind of wanted to talk about is um, it's called Above the Gravel Pit from 1937. It's oil on canvas. It's um, basically kind of a, not a lot of trees in this like scene, but the thing that stands out to me is the sky particularly. It's, um, the blues are so beautiful. There's different shades of blues her style of painting to me is very fluid and water-like and, and some of the recounts of her and her style is she did water down the paints a lot and you kind of see that in the painting. There's a lot of movement and like thinner paint. Um, so I thought that was interesting because you you do see in the line work that it's very fluid and moving and that's what stands out to me and this painting particularly, I I um, compare it to Vincent van Gogh because Vincent van Gogh's Starry Night is very a huge emphasis on the um, sky. And with him, it, to me, it looks like a lot of movement in the sky. But where they're both different is he has more of a layering technique, a smaller brush, um, thicker paint. Mm-hmm but there's still like this texture and movement you see. She offers a lot of movement, but lack of texture. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting the two different styles, but still, I mean, I'm going to say this word again, but movement, it's like, (laughs) that's what stands out to me in this particular painting. And then with artists in general, there are some artists that just stand out with how they're able to capture through lines and texture and, color really to um make something look like it's coming alive in a way mm-hmm. um but to go more in depth is some interesting things i heard about her and her mm-hmm. uh, me- the medium she uses um a lot of reason her stuff today is not easily preserved is um some of the things she uses like newspaper which that you know disintegrates on its own as it is and on top of that she would use things like gasoline to like maybe thin the paint I'm not sure why she was using gasoline but to start fire you know she got creative with it but it's like so she used gasoline and newspaper these types of media that are like so creative and like that's awesome that she was you know tried different things just Mm -hmm. to see how it worked on a preserving standpoint, not so great. (laughs) But, um, so yeah, it's just, it's interesting her methods and, uh, her note taking while out in nature. Um, she would take notes about the way the wind was moving, the way the light was hitting certain things. And she'd take those notes back to then go take her Mm -hmm. to then go paint. Whereas I think you said, like, Vincent would paint right then and there on the spot. So that's another thing that stood out to me is, like, every artist has their own techniques and Mm -hmm. where they will paint, too. Mm -hmm. Their note-taking is all different. It's very um, methodical Mm -hmm. in a way because it seems to me like a lot of artists have their methods and how they do things, you know. yeah. Hers was taking notes and then taking them back to the studio. Mm -hmm. His was maybe sitting sitting there and doing the painting there. Mm-hmm. So, um I'm not really going anywhere with this except for it's just <laughs> interesting how people have their methods of doing things, and it it's really interesting to me. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that is really fascinating. I like what you said about like the um the liquid, the quality of her work being kind of more liquid and and washy whereas his was more thick. Like it it's seems like she's definitely experiencing the weather of the Northwest, the, the rain, the feel of the, the movement of things. Um, and um, you know, the fact that she's writing about her experience and kind of um, thinking about it that way kind of makes sense because she is also a writer. She wrote something like at least I think four books, at least four books. Um, the first one uh, was called Clay Wick. Um, and it won the Governor's General Award for Literacy, Merit, and Nonfiction and um, basically it was a memoir um, consisting of a collection of literary sketches um, uh, kind of about her time uh, living with indigenous people in the culture of the northwest coast Um, Clay Wick means Laughing One, which is the name that they gave her Um, so she sounds like a serious, like an awesome character, like she sounds like she had a lot of adventures, a lot of, um, uh, you know, to be called the laughing one, is pre- it seems like it's pretty telling. Sounds like she's
1: a good time. Yeah, yeah. So she
0: traveled around in her caravan called the elephant.
1: She had a some pretty crazy pets she had an rv
0: with full of pets
1: not just like your cat and dog like a monkey i think even maybe a parrot i could be totally wrong but really exotic animals that you don't just have around yeah (laughs) she had them no big deal (laughs) the laws were written
0: after her because of her they wrote
1: the laws because of her yeah
0: Um, um and and so the painting i chose is kind of building off of that um, sense of adventure, sense of curiosity. Um, the, cho- the piece I chose uh, is um, a painting um, of uh, a bright white church in a dark green northwest forest flanked by giant conifers. Um, it has those expressive marks that you were talking about, Ashley, with these large geometric kind of bold heavy trees in the background um, and then this light airy church in the foreground um was originally titled the indian church by the artist herself um, and recently was renamed church at uh village um this was done by um the art gallery of ontario and um i think that i think that's really telling kind of you know um she had a clear, genuine reverence of, indi- of indigenous cultures, documented in her writing, documented in her paintings, um, but as well as uh, other kinds of documentation uh, by other people. But it's still a painting um, that stands with its history of col- colonialism, with the history of missionaries on the Northwest Coast, um, uh, as, as a curator of the Art Gallery of Ontario said. Um, recently, and um, you know, I think it's also telling that up until this point, as she's traveling around to these little villages, she's not she's she didn't paint mission churches. She was more interested in like indigenous um, forms of spiritual expression, like totem poles, um, uh, and uh, the villages themselves. Um, this painting was kind of the first time that she painted a missionary church, and it was. It seems like it's a really direct observation of the collision of those two cultures and two understandings of spiritualism, of nature being a form of spiritualism as well as the church. And so I thought I thought that was kind of a neat painting. Um and it spoke kind of spoke to some of the the topics that she was kind of interested in throughout her life. Um
1: It sounds like she always had a respect for nature and um the cultures that she visited Mm -hmm. yeah Um, so probably a little ahead of her time in that way without meaning to be
0: absolutely I think that was another reason she was kind of different from the other group of seven folks they didn't they didn't they were not as interested in that I think she was more interested in like acknowledging that there are people there before her
1: (laughs) which I think in a way that's probably why she still stands out today and like why her Work still works today. Mm -hmm. It really speaks to the now, Mm -hmm. even though it was made almost 100 years ago. Yeah, that and
0: her attention to environmentalism. Um, She championed the preservation of old-growth forests. She was really kind of critical about canadian industries and how they were impacting the environment Um, she did a whole bunch of paintings about clear cuts including one called scorned as timber beloved of the sky which has those expressive marks so you're talking about this big beautiful magical um, oscillating clouds that are kind of breathing in the background um and still really representational color but painted in kind of this beautiful living kind of way. Uh, and then a single tree in the middle kind of standing alone. Um, so, so you're right. Like she, her work, whether she realized it or not at the time is political and powerful and even more powerful maybe today. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: cause those topics are more prevalent today, whereas they might not have been back then. Yeah. But they still hold strong. Mm-hmm. That totally. Is, they're important things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she, and that's another thing too is, and we'll put in the show notes is she did thousands and thousands of pieces of artwork and I, they are mainly in Canada. I'm not sure what gallery, but we will put that in the notes. Cause I think that's important to kind of recognize too, is how much she made in her life mm-hmm. of yeah. artwork. Um,
0: yeah. She's very prolific. Yeah. That's a good point, because now we're all excited to go see her work.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, except for the ones that they, like, have a hard time preserving. <laughs> but <laughs> they're still there. They're just, like, under, like, lockdown probably because they can't even <laughs> see the light. <laughs> Do <laughs> not smoke you, this painting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So she, she she painted her whole life just up until the very end, really. Um I don't think she was like, I don't think, okay. So from the research I've gathered that she she was very focused on her paintings. She um, had really strong relationships with people and animals, but not, she never got married. She never had kids. Um, and some people, it it seems to me some people saw that as kind of a sad life in a way, but I don't think she ever saw it that way. I think she she loved every minute. I think she... She was a hard worker. Um, I mean, uh, did you gather kind of, that too? Yeah,
1: I think that's the kind of thing that maybe stood out in that day even more. Mm-hmm. But if it was something that mattered to her, she probably would have done it. It yeah. sounds like art was important to her and she was a whole person without those things. Mm-hmm. Whereas that stood out probably in the day. But I mean, now it's like that's her, that's the life she chose for herself and then mm-hmm. made her happy. So yeah. Back in that time, it might have been something that stood out even more, not so much modern time. And that's maybe that makes her stand out as modern up until now, really. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other only other thing that I have on my notes that I would really like to point out is that I, I love her. Inscription on her tombstone in the Ross Bay Cemetery in Victoria. It says, Emily Carr, 1871 to 1945, artist and author, lover of nature.
1: Very nice.
0: Anything else you want to
1: add? I just want to add, you know, if you take anything away from this episode, it's to go live your best Emily Carr life. Go get yourself a van, name it the elephant, get yourself a monkey, maybe a couple maybe two. more exotic animals, yeah. and, you know, drive around. Go vis- visit nature. Stock up on gasoline for your car and your paintings. Mix your paints with all kinds of crazy stuff and just make art. Go meet some people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm Ashley, and thanks for uh, tuning in today. Yeah, and
0: I'm Kendra. Thanks, everyone, and um, we'll talk to you later.